Milwaukee. Deep pattern downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw, Devontae Parker. Holy smokes, what a drive. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is Friday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, another episode, another crop of interviews and analysis. We are resetting the roster in the post-first wave, maybe even the second wave here of free agency with a look at the possibilities of using the draft capital to reflect the roster as it currently stands. I'll tell you about some of the ideal offensive lineups how Miami can dictate the way the offense looks from here forward, and how running the football might be a futile exercise for the opposition against this defense. And finally, geez, bury the lead here, Travis. We'll hear from Will Fuller and Matt Skura. All of that and more on this supersized Friday, March the 26th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we start this podcast with some news. The Dolphins announced on Wednesday they are bringing back linebacker and 2020 team captain in Elandon Roberts. And I tweeted out on Wednesday after the news about how much I really thoroughly enjoyed watching him fill the role of what might be my favorite aspect of the game of football, something of a throwback that reminds me of the early 2000s, the the golden era for me as a football fan, shooting gaps and blowing up running plays. You all remember that unforgettable Jadavian Clowney play from his South Carolina days, right? The Outback Bowl, the poor Michigan tailback that had to be on the receiving end of that absolute, I I guess, evergreen, forever tremendous highlight that he provided there. Well, Alandon Roberts was doing that pretty much on a weekly basis last year before his season-ending injury in Las Vegas in Week 16. 23 of his 25 run stops, which are run down tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage, so effective run plays, occurred between weeks four and 16. So on that 11-game run there with the bye week and him missing week 17 is better than two run stops per game. And I look at an area where I think you could say, if this Dolphins defense is going to improve upon what it did last year, then it's probably going to be in the running game, right? So now, if you want to run the football, well, that's kind of cute because Adam Butler, Bernardrick McKinney, Brennan Scarlett, Elandon Roberts, these guys thwart running games for breakfast. They are 260-pound bangers. Adam Butler, 310 pounds on the interior of that defensive line. But McKinney, Scarlett, and Roberts, man, I I just didn't know if Roberts was going to come back on this team because of those additions. But you continue to add depth and size and downhill run stopping. We've talked about building the interior of this defense as a bit of a staple for a while now. And here you have it. I mean, the brute strength, the block beaters, the depth. I mean, look at this front seven. And I say that you can pretty much run any front you want because don't forget, we have Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer who both have played defensive end in this defense in various fronts. If you do want to go four down and you need someone else to match Emmanuel Ogba on the other side, Sealer can do it. Wilkins can do it. Multiple guys can do it. So you can run any front you want. If someone happens to go down, you have the depth for a game, maybe even an extended period of time where there are bullets there to replace and refill that group. So this front seven, man, go ahead, try to run the football, I dare you. And oh yeah, on the back end, we've got the best cornerback tandem in the National Football League, a top 
seven or eight safety duo. And that's without the mention of two promising youngsters in both those roles in Brandon Jones and Noah Ignogany on top of two good slot cornerbacks in Nick Needham and Justin Coleman. So eh, not bad, not bad at all. How about on the other side of the football on the offense? Well, first, a quick news item. Dolphins signed Kai Loxley a former college quarterback who will be on the roster as a wide receiver. He's the son of Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. But at that position, your boy has been deep in the film study. And we'll hear from Will Fuller here in just one moment. But I want to mention his impact on the field, on the game, when he's not catching the football. I mean, 53 catches, nearly 900 yards, eight touchdowns in 11 games last year, and a better than average win rate on every single route in the route tree, except for one. He was league average on out routes, according to Matt Harmon's fantastic reception perception project. But I watched a game where he didn't have any targets against the Ravens. Zero targets, zero catches. He left at halftime with what was reported a tight hamstring in that game. There's a play at the end of the first half where the defense of the Ravens goes into a bracket with a safety over the top and the underneath corner on Will Fuller playing inside leverage, which inside leverage means he is walling off the outside portion of the field and trying to force the receiver to work inside. And they run that on third and 10 at about the 13 or 14 yard line. And he runs to the post to hold the safety at the hash mark and he gets off the release inside enough to where the cornerback has to sink back and try to get depth so he can see things kind of develop underneath him. And Deshaun eventually does take the underneath route, Deshaun Watson, when Fuller rips off to the corner, but he's open in that spot for a touchdown possibility and he ran himself open against what was a bracket on third and long in the red zone. That's literally my three-pronged criteria for a number one wide receiver. Beat double teams, win on third and long, win in the red zone. Those are all aspects of the game where everybody in the damn building knows where the football is going and you can still do it. It reminds me of Antonio Brown in his prime with the Steelers. He, You could double him, you could third down him, however you want to cover him, he was going to catch the football and make big plays. That's kind of what Will Fuller looks like on this tape for me. Not saying he is A-B in his prime, but on tape right now, man, this guy can flat out do it. Did all of that on just one play. You go two weeks later to the Minnesota game, week number four, and they are running Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. They're two, you know, all world level safeties. They're running both of them in two high structures pretty much the entirety of the game. And why is that? It's because Will Fuller keeps splitting them as the two safeties with a immediate vertical threat to force the top off the defense. It's kind of a cliche, but he was doing it all game in this one. But they also kind of had to take notice of the other side of the football field because Kenny Stills is over there and he also runs a sub 4 440. So it all kind of got me thinking about next steps and how that speed had an impact on the defense, but also what the Dolphins can do to round out this offense and make it matchup friendly, make it more explosive. Take those 12 play drives and turn them into six play drives because you got a 30 yard play in the drive. We did the roster reset on the defense there a little bit, but looking at the offense and how you might spend those four premium picks, those four premium resources in the top 50 of the draft. And I still think you just go best player available and let Flo and his staff do their thing because they've had success with that so far. Why would you go away from the blueprint? But entertain me here for just one second. I talked about speed there a little bit, but also Kyle Pitts has been one of the main points of contention in this draft. Is he is he the best player in the draft? Is it worth taking a tight end at that spot? Is he a tight end? Uh, to me, no, he's not at all. He's just an offensive weapon. But conceivably, 
I think you can basically dictate what your offense looks like right now based upon your draft position. Because with that third pick, let's assume the first two picks are quarterbacks. You can then decide how you want to attack that skill position. Is it Kyle Pitts? Is it Jamar Chase? Is it Devontae Smith? Is it Jalen Waddell? Is it a trade back? I mean, I've got so many different permutations of different routes the Dolphins can take, but they can choose what they want their offense to look like based upon having that high draft pick. Because do you want to go 12 personnel, you know, as your base with Mike Gesicki and Kyle Pitts? You can do that. Do you want to get the complimentary speed on the other side of the football like I talked about with the Texans with Will Fuller and Kenny Stills? Because Jalen Waddell, who caught 21 of 26 passes, 20 or more yards down the field in his college career, he you can do that too. So to me, I look at this, let's take a look at the Kyle Pitts option and come back at pick 18 and take a running back, which by the way, your boy also has been in the college tape. Javante Williams, he might be RB1, man. That guy is amazing. The acceleration once he puts his foot in the ground, gets upfield, the power, the balance, the fact that he has the highest pro football focus, elusive grade ever, 47% missed tackle rate or forced missed tackle rate, I should say, in college is the highest PFF has ever graded in college or pro football He's an exceptional looking player. So I look at the offense like Najee, ETN, Javante. Then you've got Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, a great two receiver package there with your 12 personnel set. Mike Gesicki and Kyle Pitts. How does that sound? So that package is kind of like your ace, your most commonly called upon personnel, which I guess is 12 personnel, but you can call that 11 personnel too because Kyle Pitts, again, and Mike Gesicki for all the slot work he does, both those guys can play quasi receiver roles but that's your ace package. So where are the potential cracks? How do you fortify that five sum on the football field, your five eligible options into the route? Well, we know that there's some injury history here, so we need possible replacements for those guys, right? So my question is this, Preston Williams, kind of that Devontae Parker role, kind of a long build, a vertical threat receiver, a guy that can get on top of guys. Jakeem Grant, the speedster, they talk about Will Fuller's 4-3 speed. Jakeem has that too. Are those going to be your backup plans at those spots? Because that's kind of your player comp for those two positions. So if you do go, you know, seven, six deep at the receiver spot, you might have plug and play ready guys that you actually feel confident about on the bench in case something happens to a Will Fuller, a Devontae Parker. Someone gets dinged up for a game or two. It happens, right? This is the NFL. So that's what you have to consider. Can you improve upon those players in the draft in rounds two or three or four? That's something in consideration for this Dolphins brass. If that's the plan, if you go Kyle Pitts and a running back early on, which I think is smart because you're drafting two players in Pitts and a running back who are going to be on the field for 75% of your snaps or more on the offensive side of the ball. Can you upgrade on those receivers we talked about outside of the first round of the draft? My answer is, yeah, you probably can, but who is it going to be? So, I mean, look, I am a huge Preston Williams and a huge Dakeem Grant fan, but at a certain point, you have to acknowledge the resume, right? You have to be real with yourself. Preston hasn't made it past November and Jakeem's injuries, they're piling up at this point of their career. So they have a chance to carve out a role, but is there a possibility you go out and try to add competition to those spots? Absolutely. But here's the turn. Is spending pick 36, 50, and 81 on a wide receiver who might only be your sixth best passing option on the on the offense? Is that worth it? Or do you go and develop a safety beyond the Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe years, like a Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri? Do you restock the true four down edge position with a Carlos Basham, a Patrick Turner, a uh, uh, Ellerson Smith, a Cam Sample? How about another cornerback for Flo and Boyer to get their hands on, whether it's a Sante Samuel or somebody else? What about upgrading the linebacker position with maybe more of a 
Jamin Davis or Barrett Browning from Ohio State? Why not continue investing in the offensive line and Quinn Minerts and Jackson Carmen, whoever your options might be? You have so many different variations you can do off of this. And maybe one of those choices is taking a trade back, getting Jalen Waddle, and now you've got Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle on the offense with the possible running back you select later on. And now you've got a hammer who can help create space for those deep, those two safeties to play off the football. So you're going to have to respect those two deep threats with uh, with Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. And also the RPO game opens up because both those guys are adept at running in-breaking routes, running slants, getting cornerbacks in indecision, and breaking off the route quickly and winning immediately at the line. The options are just a plenty. But my one final point here before we get to my Will Fuller interview, another bit of research I wanted to do after checking on Matt Harmon's reception perception, where he lauded Fuller's posted statistics under the circumstances of DeAndre Hopkins leaving Houston last season and Fuller stepping up as the alpha target in that offense. And Fuller finishes that season, albeit through 11 games, with 11.7 yards per target the best in the National Football League. DeAndre Hopkins, a first ballot Hall of Fame receiver, the best number he ever posted in a single season in his career was 9.6 yards per target. So Will Fuller's best season, two full yards per target better than a future Hall of Fame receiver. And looking, you know, at Will's contract compared to the rest of the wide receiver market and how this free agency period played out, I've got to say... That is pretty good. All right, let's go ahead and move this thing forward here now and hear from the man himself, new Dolphins wide receiver, Will Fuller. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is new Dolphins wide receiver, Will Fuller. Will, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be in Miami. You know, just, just touch down, you know, enjoying my day. You know, having, having a great time over here. I've been joking with your, your other new teammates here on the Free Agency Podcast are you getting lost at all in the building? Because I know that maze upstairs is—it's kind of hard to navigate. It is tough, especially being in the, in the new building. You know, I'm just following somebody right now, so <laughs> I have to get used to it myself. But I'll catch on quick. That's exactly the right. Are the coaches a lot, so I'm, I'm gonna catch on quick. Yeah, you figure it out pretty quickly. I mean, hey, if you can navigate the National Football League, you can navigate our hallways up there. But we'll have a new building in a few months, so maybe that won't be a worry no more. Um, I, I've been asking, you know, the same question here with, with your teammates. Like I mentioned, I just want to get a feel for like what football means to you. Like, you know, obviously being a professional football player, it's, it's brought you a lot of things in life and, and you've been playing for a long time, obviously, but in your words, what does football mean to you, Will? Man, football means everything to me. You know, I've been playing since I was seven. It's, it's been something that I've been passionate about ever since I started playing. Uh, my parents got me into, you know, a lot of different sports growing up and then, once I got the football, I just stuck for the rest of my life. So it's just something that, that that I've been real passionate about. And, you know, it's something that, you know, it's something that I love to do. So, um, you know, I enjoy playing football and and, and I'm so happy to be in, in Miami. So, um, you know, I'm excited to, to get going over here. And you mentioned coming down to Miami and we, we spoke a little bit off air about reuniting with Coach Godsey, the co-offensive coordinator here in Miami. He was with you in Houston under that same position as co- uh, offensive coordinator there when you first arrived, I believe. What was um, that relationship like with Coach Godsey? Have you had a chance to meet up with him again? And are you guys excited about that reuniting? Yeah, so um, the relationship, was, it was, I, I can say it was a little different when I was a rookie. You know, I was just all... You know, I was all ears listening to every, everything he had to say, writing everything down. Now it's more of like a, I, I would say a professional um, relationship. It's a, it's a it's a lot more you know 
a professional uh, uh, relationship now. But yeah, I love Godsey. You know, I can't wait to play for him. So you mentioned Coach Godsey, and you're here under head coach Brian Flores, obviously. I'm, I'm curious to get, you know, outsiders' opinions. What have you heard about Coach from around the league and his reputation around the league? And now how does that measure up to now that you've met Coach? Like, where does that, like, how, how do you measure what Coach's reputation is based upon or compared to now that you've met him? Yeah, so, you know, Miami, Miami is new for me. Coach, coach Flo is new for me. I, I met him today, but everything I heard about him has been great. Um I know, I know a few guys who, who knew of him, and they, it was all great, you know, great words. Uh, Brandon Cooks knows uh, knows him. You know, he's one of my best friends. You know, all, all good words. And then I met him today, and, you know, it, everything that I could ask for in the head coach, you know, he was cool, you know, talking to me, you know, a respectable guy, you know, and I can tell him it's, it's going to be a guy that I want to go and, and work for every day. And, you know, one of the things that I've been most excited about looking at some of your tape, uh, Will, and, and going back over last season – Man, you were tough to cover last year. I wanted to ask you, what was the key to the breakout season where, you know, through 11 games, eight touchdowns, almost 900 yards, a bunch of big plays? What was your key to your big breakout season last year? Uh, to be honest, um, Brandon Cooks, you know, he he, he, he changed my career, career for real. You know, he, he, he put me on game on really how to take care of your body, you know, you know do it the right way. And, um, you know, I basically just took his workout regimen and, 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 you know, and using it for myself and, is, is doing great for me. So I just took that to the next level this year. And, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what this season holds for me and, and, and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's great to hear. I know, I, I know it gets hot in Houston, so you probably had a chance to, to, to drop some sweat there, but you'll get plenty of opportunities down here in training camp, man. It gets, it gets really, really hot. Um, one of the things we do here on drive time is we like talking about the X's and O's. And, you know, I saw a tweet from a, uh, a guy that he charts receiver routes and he showed your route tree last year and you had high success rates on pretty much every single route in the route tree. How, how would you say you've kind of developed your entire route tree as a pro and how has it benefited you at this point of your career? Yeah, this, this is something that I've been, you know, route running, like I said, I'm real passionate about football. So this is something that I've been working on my whole life. So, um, you know, people don't believe me when I say this, but I haven't always been fast. So I, I, I worked on my craft when I was a little slower in, in high school. So one of those things I would imagine that you sharpened up was your release arsenal, right? Because I, I watch you, whether it's a cushion, press, whether they're just mirroring, man, you're tough You're tough to press the line. Like what, how have you worked on that release arsenal and, and how important is that to playing receiver? Yeah, that, that just comes with, you know, experience. And, and, and like I said, you know, DBs, are, they're, they're going to get out of there if you have any type of speed. So, and then, you know, being physical too, that's something that, that I've added to my game, um, you know, and, 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 and working out and, getting something specific for me and getting stronger from, from my body. And uh, just, you know, just being being more physical on the releases, um, I think has, has helped me a lot too. Not just using always speed, but being physical and, you know, catching them off guard. Yeah, there was a game I watched last night when we got the news, Will, that uh, you you were playing the Lions and this guy came up and pressed you. And by by three yards into the route, you had already had like five yards of separation. I was I was blown away by that, man. It's, it's fun to watch. Another guy fun to watch here on this Dolphins team is your new quarterback, Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Have you had a chance to talk to Tua at all? And what are your what's your impression of your uh, your new quarterback here? So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to play with Tua. You know, he's young and explosive. Um, I didn't get a, a chance to really watch him play um, in the NFL, but I watched him a lot in college. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I, we just exchanged numbers. You know, we're, we're, we're going to start talking and, and, you know, try to get some time to start throwing and, you know, start, get that timing going down. So, I'm excited for that. 
Yeah, you talk about timing. Is that the number one key for hitting on deep balls? Because, again, going back to your tape and, and watching how much of a big play machine you have been in your career and really last year, is the key to that deep ball and the report on that just repetition and timing and chemistry? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. You definitely got to get those reps in, and then you just got to want it, you know. You got to go, you got to, you got to be able to, to go get it, you know. It, it, it's one thing to, to, you know, you know, say repetition and getting open, but it's, it's another thing when, when the ball's in the air and a lot of game, you got to go, you know, you got to go track it down. So tracking the ball is something, something else that I've been, you know, working on. Um, it's probably one of the more difficult things to do, but, you know, I've been working on it and, and tracking that deep ball, right? One of the more important things. Um, when it's in the air. Yeah, four plays of 40 or more yards last year, man. Again, I can't I can't speak highly enough about how much fun that is to watch on tape. We're going to finish up with one more question here, and this is away from the football field. And I, I've had this question for, you know, the previous free agents that have been in that chair previously. And, you know, one of your teammates, I think it was Justin Coleman, was into magic. Uh, Bernardrick McKinney, who you obviously know, is a big gamer. I want to know if, yeah. if there's one thing away from the football field that fans might not know about you that they have to know about you. What's one thing that you're really into when it comes to away from the football field? Oh man, I'm a. I have a lot of hobbies. Like outside of outside of football, I do a lot of different things. You know, um, whether it's training my dogs, I like training my dogs. So I I, I actually hired a guy to, to train my dog, but I'm learning from him and I'm doing it. You know, with him as, as we go through it. And then just like just like Mac, you know, I love playing the game. I'm real competitive, so I hate losing. Um, I don't think anybody can beat me in Madden or 2K. So <laughs> we we gonna see what, what, what some of the guys got on, on, on a team, but. Um, fishing, I, I like fishing. I picked up that hobby last year during the offseason during COVID. Had a lot of off time, um, real relaxing. Uh, you know, go out there, you know, catch some fish, cook them up. But um, that, that's about it. Just you know, a little, 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 little hobbies about myself. That's quite a lot. You're, you're going to catch on quick in that receivers room because I know Jakeem and Devonte are huge 2K fans, and they will never admit that the other can beat the other, so they're always competitive that way. And then also, yeah. Preston Williams has a, a little French bulldog that he's in love with too. So there's there's your dog <laughs> company right there, man. Yeah. Will Fuller, yeah. new Dolphins receiver. I appreciate your time today, man. I know you've been busy and been through a lot. I appreciate you doing this with me, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Boy, how good was that? New Dolphins receiver Will Fuller here on the podcast, getting in-depth with us there, talking about the craft, working on his routes, his releases, that type of thing. Cannot wait to watch this guy play football on Sundays. And the interviews keep rolling here on this Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Will and I had a good time there. We're going to now have a dad session, a dad bro out here with me and Matt Skura, New Dolphin Center. We talked about some Air Monarchs, about embarrassing our kids. Plenty of good stuff here on this interview with new Dolphin center matt skura and joining me now on the drive time podcast is new Dolphin center freshly signed sealed and delivered matt skura matt how you doing man thanks for joining me today thank you yeah no i'm definitely excited and excited to get down to miami yeah we're excited to have you and and you know I know this was your first time kind of exploring the free agent waters as it were, and probably the first time you've really had a chance to almost choose your spot since since going to college, right? What was that experience like for you the first time here in free agency? Yeah, it was definitely uh, an interesting experience. You know, I just didn't really know what to expect. You know, I have different teammates who have gone through it and try to tell you how it's going to be, but um, it's just a weird uh, waiting game. You want to be patient. But at the same time, you want to know where you're going so you can kind of just finally put an end to it. Just know you have like a final destination where you're going to end up. And so, yeah, I think that was just like the hardest thing is like 
each hour just like seeing, checking in with my agent or checking in around the league, talking around to other friends. Um, and so I think that was just kind of the most difficult part. It's like, okay, I just got to, I got to wait, got to be patient, but I want to know where I want to go. So that was kind of the most uh, interesting part about it. Get your playbook, get your coaches' names familiarized and start talking to those guys and get to work, right? That's what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, being being that you've been in the NFL for four years, you know, running college and playing high school ball and all that stuff, obviously football is integral to a professional football player's like the fabric of their being, right? So one of the questions I've been asking your fellow teammates here on the podcast is, what does football mean to you? Like the journey you've taken from peewee to now, what does it all meant to you as you kind of sit back and reflect upon where it's brought you to this point in your life? Yeah, it's been a great platform uh, for myself and my family to really get involved in the things that we are passionate about. Um, while my time in Baltimore, I, my wife and I partnered with the Verse Cancer and Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. And so we were able to, you know, gift families, um, gift cards or uh, memorabilia, all different things um, during their time in the hospital, just because um, my wife, her uh, youngest sister, had a brain tumor when she was very young. Um, and so she kind of understands uh, what the families go through. It's very stressful. Um, also, yeah, football has just made me, uh, allowed me to meet so many incredible people, um, people that I thought I would never get to meet, just being a fan of football growing up, a little kid. Um, you watch some of these players on TV and never think you're going to have that opportunity to meet them, let alone get to play on the same field with them. So that's definitely um, another thing, just like the people that I've met and the places I've gone are, are probably uh, some of the coolest parts of, of this business. I really appreciate you sharing that, that personal story there with us. That's really cool to, to know that you, you've been involved in that stuff and that you have a chance to do some more of that here in South Florida. Now, you made a comment there about being a child and watching certain players. Now you're playing with them. I'm curious I think it was, I want to say it was Justin Coleman. I could be wrong on that. A cornerback we signed a couple days before you. Uh, he mentioned that he saw Dan Marino in the hallway and he kind of got starstruck. Have you had a player like that in your career where you came across him and you were like, oh man, I can't believe I'm here. This isn't even real. Like, have you had that moment? Yeah, a few of them. When I was a rookie, um, it was when it was OTAs were uh, just going on and Terrell Suggs and Marshall Yonda, you know, they, you know, very seasoned guys. So they weren't um, there yet. And so it was just kind of this like big build up to like, oh man, wait till Marshall gets back. Wait till Suggs get back. Like the intensity just grows that much more. And I'm just like shaking in my boots a little <laughs> bit because I just didn't know what to expect. And um, yeah, seeing and meeting Terrell Suggs for the first time, meeting Marshall Yonda for the first time, uh, those two, I was like, all right, like, you know, cause I grew up a Steelers fan. Funny enough, I was born in Pittsburgh. Um, and so those were like the guys that, you know, they're kind of like the enemy or like, you know, and so it was really cool just getting to meet them and, uh, just how down to earth they were, how much they helped me, uh, grow as a person and a player. It, it was just awesome. Well, fortunately, you don't have to go up against Marshall because same same position group. And then also probably didn't see much Terrell either, right? Because you're on the inside. He's mostly on the outside. 
Right, right. Uh, yeah, he would definitely like to mix it up a bit, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one guy you might have seen would have been Zach Sealer. Did you get a chance to play against him in practice back when he was with Baltimore? He's now in Miami, of course. I'm wondering if you guys have a relationship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, we definitely had some good battles in practice. And uh, yeah, no, it's just funny now that we're uh, both on the same team again. So it'll be good to, you know, relive all those those fun battles in, in practice. Yeah, he's he's a, he's fun to watch in practice. He's, he's a big, strong dude. He can get some push for sure. So you guys will be able to sharpen the iron, as it were. Um, another <laughs> thing you mentioned was growing up a Steelers fan and going to the Ravens. Like, that had to have been, like, dividing the, the house in the Skura family, right? Yeah, it definitely was because, yeah, all my family grew up Steelers fans. My grandparents... Um, and so I me- I just distinctly remember calling them up and be like, Hey, so I'm choosing to go. Cause I was undrafted. I was like, I'm choosing to go to Baltimore. <laughs> and there was just like this long pause and they're like, okay, all right. Uh, we're excited. <laughs> and I have two brothers and they're like, all right, we're just going to push our Steelers jerseys to the back of the closet. Uh, we'll still keep them, but we'll just hang up some Ravens gear in, in the front of it. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was funny. And I have, friends back in Pittsburgh as well, that they're always like, I'm not going to root for the Ravens, but yeah. I'll root for you. So they're, they're happy now that I'm with Miami. They're like, oh, it doesn't even, like, we don't have to have that clash back and forth. I was going to say, I love my brother, but I'm not sure if I can root for him in Jet Green, man. I just, I don't know if I can do it. It would be tough. <laughs> exactly. That's too good. So you, you do wind up in Baltimore for four years and you play a little bit of guard. Then Ryan Jensen leaves in free agency. You take over the center position. And, you know, I, I mentioned to you, you know, before the interview here that some of your coaches had praised your ability to, to get guys in the right spots, to, to get the right checks and make sure that the protection scheme was right. The run call was right. How much, how much pride do you take in that element of the game and how important is that for a center to be able to come in and just control the offensive environment like that? Yeah, I take a ton of pride in it just because at center you kind of are the conductor of, you know, the other four guys and really um, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs. So um, yeah, definitely got to take a lot of pride in it because it's obviously very important and vital to the success of the offense. So yeah, that's just something that I've always prided myself on just making sure uh, across the board that the communication is there. Um, Whether we need a lot more communication or we can really um, make it concise either way. um, Just want to get everyone on, on the same page and usually you're going to have a lot of success. Absolutely. And and one thing that I, I really took away from your story, Matt, was coming back off the ACL, MCL, PCL dislocation. I mean, that's like a, a long, a lifelong laundry list worth of injuries. And you came back from all of those in really about 10 months. What was that process like for you both mentally and physically, as far as your goal to get back for opening day and just kind of, I have to imagine the daily grind has to be tough. Where were you at mentally? And what did that process kind of teach you as a player and a person? Yeah. Um, it was definitely tough. I mean, just coming off, of. One, I was, as a team and personally, just having one of my best seasons. Um, So that was just tough to come to grips with. And immensely, you just, especially early on, um, you say, oh, if I was just one step here, if I was a foot away, like this would have never happened. So I think that self-doubt like always replays. Um, But yeah, I think once I was able to kind of start bending my knee, getting into more active rehab, I just said, you know, I'm just going to, you know, full core press. This isn't going to slow anything down. Um, just going to make it my mission to show everyone like, Hey, I can get back from this injury. 
Um, I've had, you know, other adversity in my life, like, you know, I'm, I'm prepared for this. And so, uh, and having the right people around me helped too. You know, I had great trainers uh, in Baltimore. I had uh, Marshall Yonda, who had pretty much the exact same injury as me, mentor me about getting back to um, playing. And my wife, she was, you know, my biggest uh, motivator, helps me just through the tough days where, you know, I felt like I wasn't making any improvement to just kind of keep pushing and just get a little bit better each day. So, um, yeah. And then we kind of had the whole COVID pandemic hit, uh, kind of right when I was starting to take off in my rehab. So, uh, when I came back to Charlotte to rehab, we had to kind of quickly set up a home gym at my house to do all my rehab. Um, and so we had to find creative ways to, you know, get a lot of that physical therapy done, uh, at my house, in my garage, whether it's going down the street to a park we have in my neighborhood to run and do drills. So, yeah, I mean, I think just every day I, I took it as a challenge to get better, find something to work on and just, yeah, challenge myself in that way. So, um, yeah, definitely any adversity that comes away, my way, I'm like, okay, I know I can, there's going to be, you know, a bright side on the other side. I just got to push through, be resilient, uh, lean on your hard work that you always know, and um, usually things will work out. Uh, yeah, doing the interviews this time last year, all we talked about was guys in their garage using bands. Like it was such a a consistent uh, segment on the podcast here. I'm hope I'm glad we're kind of maybe pushed beyond that a little bit here and, and moving into the future. You also mentioned um, your wife as, as kind of the, the supporter of all that. And I, I can't speak enough about how my wife has had similar impacts as far as my professional career. So behind every great man, right, as they say. And so that kind of leads me into my, my next question here is you chose the Dolphins. You, you were a free agent, could have signed with, I'm sure multiple teams were, were pursuing you. Um, maybe she had a, a say in the decision. Why Miami? Like, why did you want to come play for the Dolphins? Yeah, so there was, even before the free agency had, like, officially started, there was definitely, like, a few criteria that I'm like, okay, if I go with this team, like, I want them to have this. And so um, those things were, you know, be a family-oriented team and organization, um, have coaches that are going to, you know, want players to get better, have the skill to be able to do that. And I think third is just, um, the drive and want to be better and win. Um, I think that's something that um, I kind of laid my foundation on. And so, yeah, I think Miami is kind of fit right in there. You know, they got a young quarterback. Um, things are on an upward trajectory. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And so I know Coach Flores uh, is very passionate and intense. And so I really uh, like that as well. So I think yeah, just those things uh, right off the bat kind of drew me towards Miami. Can't complain with that. One more question for you. Here we got Dolphin Center Matt Skura on the Drive Time podcast. We talked football. We talked about your time coming up in football. But I want to know away from the field, is there a hobby, a guilty pleasure, one thing that fans have to know about Matt Skura before they get a chance to see him play on Sundays? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have a bunch of different hobbies that uh, my wife doesn't. <laughs> you know, I, I do enjoy I like to golf. Um, I do like, uh, cars, you know, I enjoy being able to like go outside and like clean my cars. Well, two cars, <laughs> it's not like I have all these cars, but, um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just like being outside with my kids. That's kind of where I've really put a lot of my folks and attention to, you know, just being my wife and kids, like 
I don't know. I just love being a dad. And I know that comes with a lot of like goofiness and, um, you know, a lot of guys back in Baltimore would, uh, kind of play into that with me. And, you know, I like to wear the Nike air Monarch shoes (laughs) that are like the quintessential (laughs) dad shoes. So I, I like to play on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much like the most easy, uh, going guy. Um, and yeah, I just enjoy, you know, working out, um, building things, whatever that, that is around the house. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I don't, you know, shy away from, from too much. So yeah. A couple of things for you here, Matt. Byron Jones is in the cars. That might be your guy, your car guy on the team. Uh, Christian Wilkins owns a pair of Air Monarchs that he proudly wears. So you, you'll be blocking him. Maybe you guys can have like an Air Monarch, you know, one-on-one pit drill against each other or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that would be great. And then third, I'm wondering, this is kind of putting you in the spot here, but I asked for my own, for myself, like, do you have your best dad joke? Because you, you mentioned goof around with the kids and the chance it gives you to be goofy. We, uh, we were watching March Madness all weekend, and they have that clip where all the, the broadcasters are dancing. And I told my wife, I can't wait until Carol, my, my, my daughter is enough to old enough to be able to see like me doing something like that where I'm embarrassing her. So like, do you have your best, like embarrassing dad moment, maybe your best dad joke you've got? Uh, I don't have any, uh, dad jokes, but, um, you know, I'll sing in the car yeah. with my daughter. <laughs> um, and she just turned three and she'll be like, dad, no, stop. <laughs> this is my song. And so, um, or, you know, her and I will like dance or she'll see me dance. She's like, dad, no, stop, please. (laughs) (laughs) So it's already started. It's already uh, happening. So I I think that's definitely um, play on on that even more. And so, um, yeah, no, no dad jokes, but I'm I'm sure I'll think of some. We'll go ahead and end it right there. You can't top that. Matt Skura, new Dolphin Center here in 2021. Matt, appreciate your time today, man. Best of luck this season. Stay healthy and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And away he goes. A lot of fun on this podcast on this Friday edition, heading into the round of Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 in the NCAA tournaments. Baseball's coming up on deck. The draft a month away. It's going to be that time of year, guys. One of the best times of year in the sports landscape. We've got the vaccinations out. The pandemic looks to be kind of coming to its conclusion. I am very excited, and I'm very excited about draft season because we have some really Really fun stuff planned for you guys here on the Miami Dolphins podcast, social, television, whatever network you want to call it. We're going to bring you guys some great stuff here with this 2021 Miami Dolphins draft. But until next time, that's going to be my time. We still have Brennan Scarlett, Duke Riley, and Adam Butler interviews. That's coming up on the Monday edition of Drive Time. I'm going to get Ben Fennell, a great draft scout here on the podcast. Next week, we're going to talk about some sleepers. We keep talking about the first and second round. Let's talk about some sleepers in this year's draft. Plenty to come here from now until that draft. But until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Audible and the Fish Tank podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. We have the written breakdowns on each of these free agent signings, as well as Bernardrick McKinney trade acquisition up on the website. Until next time, have a good weekend. Enjoy the hoops and fins up.